For a couple that premeditated to channel the ghost of their dead grandson, there is something awfully offbeat about this movie. It is something that you do not see every day, which is not subversively delicious, yet it has that holiday feel about it because it's pretty much the premise of having a Christmas wish come true. However, it is rightly gory, impish inversion of all things Yuletide, and in that it stars sweet featured Ellie characters, actors Sheila McCarthy and Julian Richings, who kidnap pregnant Shannon Becker, played by Constantina Mantelos, in order to perform a satanic ritual on her. It's as if Ruth Gordon and Sidney Blackmer, the odd couple who live next door, and Rosemary's Baby, got to be the stars of their own movie. When I think of elder horror, I think of films such as 2014's The Taking of Deborah Logan, 2015's The Visit, and 2020's The Relic. In these films, the supernatural horror gives away the to the realistic, the fear and aging and sickness. My magnificent and spooky friends, it is the Horror Hound. And in this episode, I will be talking about the film Anything Projection, which was released back in 2020. It quickly shows that anyone should know Murphy's Law by now, and those that are not familiar with it, pretty much it is that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. In other words, the little voice in the back of your head should be saying, Don't do it. You should listen to that voice, damn it. Unaware of the ramifications, this old couple dabble into shit they shouldn't be dabbling in. In this film, this cuts the cake for the elder trope and adds its own flavor to it with a good old smack of Satanism to sweeten the pot. Andre and Henry's goal is to channel the ghost of their dead grandson, Jackson, into Becker's unborn child. But deals with the devil have a way of going wrong or throwing up nasty penalties in the fine print, such as demons and ghosts with murderous predispositions of their own. Plus, their main advisors on matters of demon logical is a bitter incel type, played by Josh Crudis, who lives with his mother and is prone to bitching about the leadership at their satanic church, an outfit quietly run out of the local community center where members being bring home baked goods for break time. Fucking <laughs> Satan church is that? Anyway, Dyke and Cooper turn this almost amusing foundation into an interesting work that treads the line between genres with agility. There's a mocking streak, sure, but the devil's forked tongue stays mostly in the film's cheek. In many ways, it's also a predictable horror pick. That means the usual quota of jump scares and visual effects created scary monsters, such as a contortionist ghost with a plastic bag tied over his head, or a mad woman who weeps flossing the teeth one by one right out of her damn mouth. No thank you, go see your dentist. At the same time, there's a streak of affecting drama that originates from the main pair, a well-to-do couple scarred by a tragedy who ultimately want to do something good, but by any means necessary. Altogether, it's a richer devil's brew with you would expect crispy edited and moodily shot, even if the last act does not quite hit the spot. I believe that the best line of the movie is, you can't win a moral argument with me. <laughs> I made a deal with the devil. Okay, let's, let's back it up just a bit. How's that moral? Making a bargain with the devil. 
Can someone explain that to me, please? Seriously. However, he's not exaggerating, and the grief has driven them off the edge, and capable to imagine life without the charming boy, they turn to the cult to solve their problem. Henry and Audrey join a group of Satanists that meets at a perfectly average community center, who help them track down a book not alike the Necronomicon, made so famous by the evil dead, and well, they unleash something that what Ash discovered in the cabin in the woods. After performing a ritual over Shannon's belly, the Walshes start to have visitors, and not the good kind. They will never leave. <clears throat> so the writer and producer waste no time getting into the meat of their story, opening with the kidnapping and setting the stakes with a few flashbacks. Audrey discovers she could resurrect a crow with the book and seems to be the planner more than her husband, who quickly lets the story fall apart enough to draw the attention of the authorities. The very effective midsection of Anything for Jackson is a series of what could be called visitations on Audrey, Henry, and Shannon. It turns out that when you call on to Satan for help, he brings his little friends along, you know, kind of like Pinhead lets his buddies tag along a Hellraiser. You know, the demons and ghosts at the center of anything for Jackson become increasingly disturbing. Especially the one that's flossing her teeth out of her mouth. Blah. So, in any way, everyone who comes anywhere near the Walsh household gets sucked into the evil vacuum, not unlike how the people around Damien and the Omen were essentially doomed. You're doomed. You're all doomed. <laughs> so, there's an inescapability to anything for Jackson that forces Cooper into something of a corner. No one who has seen a movie expects this plan to work. Oh, duh. And so, the pinnacle doesn't have the power of the midsection, especially as another character gets a bit too heavily involved in the action. Though it holds together largely because of the committed performances of the cast. McCarthy convincingly conveys how overwhelming grief can be can lead people to make bad choices while Richings is simply fantastic as a man who is really trying to save his remaining loved one from a life of misery more than anything else. So these are both great performances, and Menselos, while forced to scream a bit too much in the first act, develops a strong character as well, and the movie falls apart without them. Dyke's direction is confident especially when considering the limited scope of the film, which largely takes place in the bedroom of which Shannon is being held with pretty much only three characters and whatever else is dropping by that night. He has a clever habit of not heavily foreshadowing his scares. Thank God. I think foreshadowing is a little um, overbearing in my opinion. So, but this does allow some of his most disturbing imagery to sh just jolt the audience without feeling like he's resorting to a jump scare. So years of working in the holiday movie factory has likely made him more efficient than most young horror directors, and the efficiency pays off. Even if fans of his other work who see this one may be too disturbed to ever believe in the magic of Christmas again. Sure, for Christmas, I'm going to have a bargain with the devil to bring back my dead grandson. That kind of seems offish, if you think about it. I mean, there are other ways to, you know, to have Christmas and celebrate your loved ones, but by resurrecting your dead grandson into an unborn child. That, it, it, it tops the cake. I'm not going to lie. <clears throat> so as soon as the film begins, we are making known to Audrey and Henry as they navigate the world of grief while coming to terms with the loss of their grandson. Actress Sheila McCarthy and Julian Richings are delighted to watch in the film. Sure, they do have some dubious things done, but okay, some really bad things, but also they'll bake your cookies so how can you say no to that? 
Here's some cookies, little boy. So obviously the cost of a life is more than cookies, obviously. But McCarthy and Richings ride the line of being sugarly sweet while embarking on a dreadful crime in order to bring back the one they love. Their intention is grounded in grief, and though no one would agree with their choices to perform a perverse exorcism, it's understandable why the thought would cross their minds. Grief makes us all do the stupidest shit, right? Oh, God, especially these people. Man, you belong in a damn movie event. So what I realized so much about performances was it felt real. Even when all the crazy shit begins to happen, and believe me, it, it does get crazy. It goes guano off the scale. Their determination to get back the grandchild they lost felt intense. The chemistry between McCarthy and Richings also works because it evokes a genuine sense of care and love they have towards one another. Also, I've got to hand it to them for them for taking on lots of gore, especially McCarthy in one of the most chilling scenes of the movie, which will tap into anyone's fears of the dentist or flossing for that matter. Just hope your teeth don't fall out. Man, whew. As much as I enjoy both McCarthy and Rich's performance, I do have to say the biggest surprise was from Josh Crudis, who plays Ian, the emo Satan worshipping weirdo of the grandparents. Because Ian has an extensive knowledge in the way of Satanism, he eventually agrees to help the couple with their reverse exorcism after the couple realizes they have made some grave mistakes along the way. Though I did despise the character of Ian, Crudis's performance was fantastic mostly due to Curtis's impressive change of behavior as the film goes on. As for the story itself, I enjoyed it and found it to be quite amusing watching this older couple experience a series of unfortunate, notwithstanding deadly events. I really enjoyed the presentation and look of the film, especially with how the director utilized the couple's vast home as a prison of sorts. The one scene was framed to give the viewer the impression that our hostage, Becker, played by Constantina Matilos, was by fact behind bars. It really helped drive the narrative that even though this beautifully stunning house is a sight to behold, both in its looks and stature in society, the terror is more than real than deeper inside you look. As for the story itself, I liked a lot of, and I was engaged for most of it, and that being said, I do feel like there was some uneven pacing towards the end of the film when everything starts going haywire. And I do mean fucking haywire. That said, there were a lot of competing elements. The practical effects were strong enough to gain your attention or to disregard some of the most convoluted moments in the film. Furthermore, the tone of the film changes drastically towards the end of the film, going from a creepy, goofy feel to the start and ending with a more dramatic, serious tone. So, overall, <clears throat> excuse me, Aliens for Jackson is quite the hidden gem. It has some moments that are a bit rough around the edges, but even so, the movie is entertaining enough to make you forget about all that shit. It's charming and funny, yet creepy and unsettling, and though the ending did not come entirely together as planned, well, for me anyway, I still had an absolute blast while watching it. And now for the closing thoughts. Yay! So, really does a horror movie surprise and thrill me anymore, which is why I can't recommend anything for Jackson nearly enough. Poor Audrey and Henry are a sweet old couple winding down in their golden years, but they still have a few exciting things on their to-do list and up their sleeve, obviously. So, I don't know, like, kidnapping and necromancy. What does that do? I mean, who does that? I mean, let's kidnap some lady and bring back our unborn child from our grandson. 
Oh my goodness, people, get a fucking grip. You know what? If my grandson ever dies, and I, I hope he never does, I'm not going to perform a reverse exorcism on an unborn child and kidnap someone. It, it's No, I, I want to stay out of prison. I like my freedom. So with that being said, <laughs> they swipe Shannon, a young pregnant woman from Henry's practice, and they plan to perform a reverse exorcism by putting the soul of their deceased grandson into the body of her unborn baby. Even though they plan for everything, nature finds a way. And of course, because Mother Nature's a bitch. There were so many surprises, and I hesitate to say wonderful because they're horrific. But I was smiling and laughing and really enjoying myself because this couple is stupid. <laughs> it's so, I love a fun, smart, terrifying horror movie. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's one of the best horror movies of 2020. Anything for Jackson is unrated, but let's say rated R for death by snowblower, death by gunshot, and that terrifying flossing ghost. No, not the dance. Don't, no. It sounds gory, but a lot of it's off screen, which somehow makes it more unsettling. So with that all being said, thank you all for listening and your undying continuous support. Please continue to subscribe on your favorite platform. And remember, boys and girls, stay freaky.